a super interesting approach. Something that kind of frustrates me is when I see projects going for pair chains, and maybe they should. Maybe they should build a great application yeah. and onboard users, and yeah. you know, grow from there. Space Monkeys blasting off with Matt and Nino. They're from the Apollon project, super interesting project that is solving one of the most difficult problems in our ecosystem today. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Thank you for being on Space Monkeys. Nice to be Thanks here. for having us. Yep. So we have the CEO, Chief Product Officer here with us. Maybe you could give us a quick elevator pitch of what you guys are trying to do at Apollo. We kind of figured that the biggest issue when it comes to adoption of Polkadot or blockchains in general is the friction of new developers coming into the space uh, and we kind of encountered the same thing. So we thought we saw there's a lot of effort to be done, a lot of research, a lot of analysts work to be done to understand how blockchains work, how to code it. And then it's intimidating for a lot of Web2 developers entering the space. That's right. And basically that's what we're trying to solve here. So we're building a platform, integrating different parachains with the portal ecosystem. Uh, creating a simple API layer so that developers can then use their familiar skills like Python, JavaScript, TypeScript, and so on. Yep. And start coding on top of Polkadot without having to understand how blockchain Web3 actually works. Fantastic. And it's notable that you guys are not a parachain. Yep. You guys have a token, the Nectar token on Moonbeam. Yes. And you're using that to incentivize the building of cross-chain applications. Yes. Uh, where this ecosystem is, is really headed, right? Yeah. Okay, where did this uh, where did this idea come from? Uh, so the project started as uh, Autrail, which was a data integrity module uh, yep. working on Ethereum, and then you know uh, it slowly moved to Moonbeam. And um, while researching parachains, which are you know really focusing on a protocol level to you know uh, deliver a specific service, which then of course drives to towards Web three, we soon figure out that you know all of them are doing these great uh, things, but none of them are you know there, there's no application who connects them and really opens up the, the possibility to work on several parachains. Yeah. So it is like you know quite logical conclusion, uh, but we are the first ones tackling it within the Polkadot ecosystem. So yeah, and that's the beauty of the Polkadot ecosystem actually to have those app chains, purpose-built blockchains, right? each serving their own purpose, which makes it also easier for us, but also developers understand, okay, if I have a specific use case, I can talk to this one parachain. Yep. Whereas with other chains like Ethereum, Solana, and so on, you got kind of thrown into the water and have to figure out whom to talk to for the specific need, right? Right. And this ecosystem is just amazing when it comes to getting the support that you need for that. So a uh, Web2 developer comes with their toolbox, their languages that they like to use, they come to you and you offer, okay, well, here's where you get storage. Here's where you get compute. All these kind of building blocks of an application. Is that right? Exactly, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Um, We're also trying to simulate the development to be as close to Web2 as it was, you know. So um, now we integrated uh, Crust uh, Parachain and, and built uh, our storage and hosting modules out of it. Yeah. And we didn't just go and say, okay, this is Crust and now you push files to IPFS, but we created our own buckets, you know, like very close to S3 on AVS. So you come to a platform, you create the bucket, yeah. you get an API and you just start pushing the files in. So uh, we're going, we're pushing this extra mile to really bring the user experience as well. It's not just we hooked up the SDKs of other bear chains, but we also want to simulate 
the development flow and, and how you think when you approach an architecture of a Web3 app or whatever. Before we started recording, you guys were talking about adoption, right? And when you guys say adoption, I think you mean adoption of builders, of applications, right? Or are you also talking about users? And both, yeah. You're talking about both, okay. I think it comes it comes with the builders, right? But, yeah. But what, what we implemented in our, um, let's say, a tokenomics model, and, but also business model is, we want to drive ad adoption in terms of user adoption. Yeah. So we have a so-called proof of adoption protocol uh, implemented. So okay. that we incentivize developers who bring more users into the ecosystem, right? So if you build, an, let's say, an Instagram clone on top of Polkadot now, um, you will be get rewarded by bringing more and more users into the platform, right? So it's it's also for new developers, let's say, lucrative to start building on top of Apollon. So are you saying if they build on top of Apollon and they will get some sort of maybe a nectar incentive yeah. for yes. the amount of users they, yes. they bring on the chain? Yeah. Yeah. How do you guys record that? Because I mean, it's not necessarily a science figuring out like active users, right? Like how do you prevent people from gaming that? Because we're integrating also with Kilt, which provides an entity. Oh, okay. All of the users that are developers on board will go through, you know, obtaining the IDs, right? Yes. So uh, we have a really solid metric that we can utilize to, to bring this token utility into life. And um, that's why we, we, you know, decided to do that. And that's it actually, you know, the whole adoption thing starts from um, our vision, which is like, let's bring Web3 uh, to, to commercial use as soon as possible. Yeah. So we're not just a tool that, you know, makes or removes the friction for developers, but we are also thinking about the end users. It's fantastic. Um, I, and I think this is huge. It's very important. I love that too. Once somebody has a digital ID through Kilt, they can have credentials from multiple applications, right? Exactly. But they have a common profile. Exactly. Cool. And, and this is... Uh, Maybe this is my personal opinion, yeah. but I think uh, Web3 will always start from identity because for a user to be able to, you know, handle the privacy and the ownership of the files, yeah. it has to start with the identity. And then whatever you do, wherever you interact, the ownership goes to this single identity, right? Yeah. So um, that's cool. This is how we're approaching. So um, what are some use cases and applications you guys see being built on this? You're appealing to Web2 developers. Over in Web3, we only have a few viable use cases so far, right? Uh, DeFi gambling and what, what do you guys see as use cases in, in Web3? I think the one that we already previously mentioned, like having a social media platform, social specifically media. with all the scandals going on in, let's say, in the past years when data leakages were going on yeah. and user data has been sold, right, for marketing purposes. I think. Um, this can drive this user adoption, showcase them, look, you are in control of your own data, you are in control of your own intellectual property in mm -hmm. this kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and showcasing that that being on Web3 gives you this freedom of choice of what, how your data is being used in the ecosystem. Sure. So having an Instagram clone or a Facebook clone, I think the beauty actually then really is with Apple on that you have the possibility to really leverage all those different parachains in the back end, right? So uh, right now you have the interoperability at the back end. They are working with cross-chain messaging protocol, but it's very infrastructure level. So you have these channels that are open, they can communicate with each other, but there are not many applications re-leveraging really all of those parachains, or many of those parachains on the front end. Yeah. And um, we want to give them the opportunity to start exploring these opportunities uh, and finding new ways of implementing Web3 technology in a way that we might even not know yet, right? 
at right. least give them the possibility to do so. A very simple way of, of what we can provide right now. So, you know, right now we are in closed beta with uh, crust integration, uh, which is like storage buckets and hosting. Um, for I think uh, in three days ago, we hosted our own website on our own hosting, right? So it's a cool. Web3 unstoppable website, which utilizes uh, full crust and uh, everyone can do it now. You know, it's a drag and drop uh, functionality. You can build your own blog, you can build, you know, whatever and, and pull it up and say, my website is now Web3. And this is just the beginning, right? So uh, unstoppable websites. That's of course. a, yeah. a simple and but great idea. It's very simple. Yeah. And now you know if you go further and you say, okay, now you have identity. Suddenly users can log in. Yep. And then you can start building a real experience, a real, you know, even even a mobile app, for example, or something like that. So um, I would say you you could build anything like in Web two. Mm -hmm. Just bring it into Web3 and really be conscious of uh, user privacy and user ownership of what we're trying to achieve in Web3 and uh, build it, you know, like that, like really solid. I love yeah. it. Okay, why don't you guys tell me about the Nectar token? We've talked about it a little bit, incentivizing user adoption. What else are you guys using this Nectar token for? So we, uh, how to say, all of us, we have some previous experience from crypto. You know, We are not... Uh, newcomers and we, we saw the ICO era, we okay. saw different uh, tokenomic uh, models, you know, predicted even before the launch. So um, we chose a different, a more experienced path right now. So we are uh, predicting three phases of uh, our tokenomics, which in general, in the beginning, we're just giving users uh, governance, you know, come help us out, make the right decisions. Um, where it's also, you know, needs to mention that our governance is focused only on the product, right? Only, only on the decisions which is uh, which are user facing. So, like, if you see we integrated some protocols and you would like to see a different protocol integrated as well, you can use governance to, you know, talk to us and, and really help us out in the government. Hmm. So, in the phase one, we're just doing the governance part, really trying to establish the relationship with our community. And then we are adding additional phases, like you know, uh, utilizing the, our token to handle the payments, the underlying payments. Um, it's important to notice, like when you're working with several parachains, all of those services are paid in their tokens, which are volatile. So it's yeah. you know it's quite tricky. Well, how do you solve that with Nectar? Um, we will use our token to basically trade behind on, on those tokens okay. and um, you will be able to either pay with you know fiat or with our own token um, and then we are also doing some additional stuff on um, pools of different parachains that will help us out even out the price of the service so okay uh, so people can pay for these services that are running their apps you said with fiat yes. as a possibility you guys yes. building a, an on-ramp for that not yet Okay. So we're we're quite early, like, uh, yeah, like, like we, I said. Okay, you know, yeah, we, it's totally cool. Yeah, we, we, have the a, idea. we have a solid vision on that. And yep. yeah. So fiat or the Nectar token, but yes. isn't the Nectar token going to be volatile itself? Of course. Okay. It will. But, you know, the more parachains we add, yep. there is, you know, more underlying assets. And once we add uh, liquidity pools from all those parachains, we will probably be able to get, you know, a more, um, how to say, a less volatile version of the pricing. I see what you're going for here. So you guys are, yeah. want to be priced against all these volatile assets and kind of land somewhere 
Yes. In the middle. Uh, and, you know, the main purpose is because once you start building something, you can afford the infrastructure, right? But yeah. once you start scaling, you need the pre predictability of the price. Otherwise, right. it's impossible to scale. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge challenge in not only in Polkadot, but everywhere. All the bear chains or chains, whoever, their assets are volatile, right? right? So how do you predict the pricing for, I don't know, 10 million users? And we want that. You know, we want web free apps for tens of millions of users. Yeah. And there's no way to predict how much it will cost on that scale. Yeah. So. Uh, we are we're trying to tackle this, you know. So we we'll see. But we also go down the road to to introduce fiat payments because obviously our target audience are going to be Web two developers who have probably never seen a wallet before. Yeah. Don't know how to save a seed phrase. Yeah. Don't know how to maintain a wallet. How to buy a token, but want to enter this space. So we have to give them the option to start building on top of it by leveraging, yeah, standard payment methods. Mm -hmm. But then slowly showcasing them. Look by holding the Nectar token. You can get some incentive or get some discounts on your monthly subscription fee. You can get incentivized, yep. and you have more perks by having a Nectar token interact with the parachains in the back. Yeah, I, I saw in your documents, I think, something about this desire to become kind of a self-propagating project with uh, many contributors. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are, are you guys going to be incentivizing the building of the core protocol as well? Um, core project. Sure. As well? I mean, uh, one of the ideas is also for us to open up. Um, because right now we are we are the ones who are integrating parachains, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but we also want to open up and, and you know leave the ability that a smaller par parachain comes and integrates itself into the platform, right? Um, and uh, this way we can uh, grow really fast and you know provide developers with really solid services. So uh, yeah, but it's also one of the things that it's yet to be done. We need yeah. to set the standard. And uh, it, it's actually quite tricky, you know, every parachain operates differently, needs yep. different microservices in the background, and um, it's uh, questionable if it's possible to do it like in a general way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Interesting story. So, uh, let's talk about uh, who you've partnered with so far, or who you've integrated so far. You've mentioned, I've heard you say Kilts, so that's ready to go. Yeah. Crust as well? Yeah. Yes. Very cool. And, and who else is on the books? So we started when, when, as Nina mentioned, as we started back in 2018 with Ethereum and then moved over to Moonbeam. Mm. Moonbeam was our entry drug to Polkadot. So, because um, it was the easiest transition. Yeah. But we soon kind of ran into the issue that when we started talking to our end customers, they said, we, we need more. Because it's not just smart contracts, we need something more, more tangible, something more revolutionary. Sure. And this kind of snowballed back then to say, okay, we need storage, we need identity, we need computing. And, um, we started exploring the ecosystem. And from Moonbeam, the first end interactions we started having was with Kilt, was Crust, now integrating Fala for cloud computing. Fala, um, okay. We're in talks with Astar for WebAssembly, for Ooh. NFTs and so on. Ooh. And then basically the sky's the limit. So um, we want the developers to have the possibility. So the front-end developers are gonna work with us to guide us or to give us suggestions on what parachains to integrate next. Okay. Uh, obviously, also want to talk to different parachains. Say so they they see a use case where they say, look, we could use the integration with Kilt, Fala, and who else to build a new application on top. Mm -hmm. Right, the top of my mind, I don't know Centrifuge for real world uh, assets is one of where I see big potential. Right. Sure. We have Subsquid. We have Rarsama. Right. I mean, there are there's so many parachains that can let's say add a big benefit to the platform itself mm -hmm. and 
when we start integrating that on the front end to really build applications, then we're going to build really amazing applications in the front end then. Interesting. Any uh, applications already in the works that you guys have uh, attracted or yet? Uh, yeah, tomorrow we are uh, showcasing on uh, Moonbeam booth the uh, NFT collection uh, application built uh, solely on uh, Appilon with the integration of uh, Trust. Nice. So basically for an NFT collection you need, you know, store, storing images somewhere, storing metadata. This is going to our storage via Trust mm -hmm. and then we are connected to Moonbeam to directly mint. So all, it all happens within our platform. Actually, it happens on the parachains, you know, yeah. the underlying parachains, but you do everything by clicking within Apple. So, so cool. No coding or smart yeah, contracts, yeah. nothing has to be done. Yeah. Um, Very cool. We're also including, uh, let's say, primitive uh, front end, which you can then immediately utilize and put it on our hosting, connect oh. your domain, and the collection is already live and it's connected to the... These are like templates? Yeah, like application it, right kind? now it's more of a code snippet like okay. uh, thing from documentation. Yeah, but yeah. Um, we are looking into um, experience where, you know, with one click, you get everything uh, provisioned and deployed, right? Yeah. And you can immediately deploy your uh, NFT collection and it's, uh, you know, standalone on the parachains. The end goal has to also be that uh, we want to be like the facilitator to to have apps to be able to talk to parachains directly so that they don't have to go through Appleon. We want to be the uh -huh. also the, the first interaction look. Because, for example, if you have a large enterprise, like a large bank, insurance company, whatsoever, and they want to start doing NFTs and so on, if they start building on top of one of those, let's say, generic chains like Ethereum and so on, right, they get kind of, as mentioned before, thrown in the water and they don't know whom to talk to if they yeah. want direct support. Whereas if they start minting NFTs on Appleon and say, we want to go deeper into the parachain or blockchain level, sure, sure there's the guys from Moonbeam. Let's talk to them, for example, or yeah. Astar or Akala, who has VM compatibility. You have the teams there, we have the direct connections, we can hook you up with the right people to support your use case. Um, and the same what we are, want to do then on the front end level. If we have an application who's building a DEX, and we have another application who's building an NFT marketplace, why don't you guys start working together? You have the backend infrastructures already in place, we can hook you up and you can start building, right? And then it just starts layering up, piling up, creating a bigger application on top. So this interoperability thing is definitely something that we want to embrace and push forward. And not just, yeah, among parachains, but also across the whole blockchain space. Yeah. Fantastic. I would only add that uh, we are still not working with uh, uh, XCM. So basically we're achieving this front-end yeah. inter interoperability by talking to SDKs of each of the parachains. Ah, right? yeah. Uh, we're kind of speculating and waiting for XCM to really mature. Yep. Uh, we're working with limited resources and we you know, decided that speed is before everything else, speed of delivery, right? Absolutely. And uh, in a month, uh, XCM version 3 is coming. We'll review it again and then see what can we, you know, adjust but so far we haven't made any irreversible decisions and you know we can become as unstoppable or decentralized as, as we want that's yeah. right um, so yeah um as far as the state of infrastructure goes there are probably apps that are built on web 2 that can't be built completely on web 3 yet like i'm thinking like high definition video delivery things like that like like what, what are the limiting factors right now like where, where are we like kind of coming up against the very edge um, lack of uh, typical database 
probably. Lack right? of a typical database? Yeah, okay. we, we, we don't have, you know, a, a, a typical database. We do have blockchain, right? But And you can also encrypt, but it becomes either really expensive or it's, you know, slow. Um, so within this, a, a lot is happening, obviously, with trusted execution environments. Uh, there are also providers who do similar things with databases, and we're looking into that. But uh, yeah, I, I would say this is like, um, if, if you want to have a really um, Web2 full experience, yeah. this is the missing part. Okay. But maybe it's also not missing. Maybe Web3 will find a way to live without. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a thing of patience and yeah. waiting yeah. out and seeing, I guess. Interesting. Okay, well, um, thanks a lot, guys, for coming on the show. Um, I think it's a very interesting project and a super interesting approach, right? Uh, something that kind of frustrates me is when I see projects going for pair chains, and maybe they should. Maybe they should build a great application yeah. and onboard users, and yeah. you know, grow from there. Yeah. So it seems like a an amazing place to onboard uh, new developers and yes. um, give them, empower them with the tools to exactly. to build whatever they can imagine, right? Yeah. Cool. So thanks for coming on and sharing your story, guys. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. it we'll great. keep following you on the channel and maybe we can talk again soon. Perfect. Soon. Cool. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Thank thanks. You.